have enjoyed our time of worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Our last chapter. I've enjoyed our time in Galatians. Thank God for grace. That should be the prayer that we have leaving this precious book. Thank God that we've been set free, not for anyone's sake, other than for Christ. We've been set free for freedom's sake. Amen. Not on my own merit, we can say praise God. Not on anybody else's merit on this earth. So it's not based on anything that we do, but it's based in faith in Christ. It's on what He's done. That's how simple this Gospel is. I can't do it. He's already done it. Believe on the Son and you shall be saved. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. We'll read the first ten verses and then we'll pray. It says, Brethren, even if anyone is called in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he shall also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. In verse 10, so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had. Lord, as we go into this week of Thanksgiving, Lord, as we've prayed in this last month, help us to uh, uh, always be in thanksgiving and everything that we do, give thanks back to you, Lord. I ask that you take this word and you multiply it this morning, that you fill us anew with your spirit, that you uh, help us, oh God, to understand you maybe just a little bit better this morning. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. We are talking about sowing and reaping this morning. We have been working our way through Galatians, Paul laying down a most excellent foundation on Christ, His work, grace through faith, salvation through faith, moving into the application part, and we've spent all uh, three, the last three weeks or so talking about what it looks like to walk in the Spirit versus walking in in the flesh, what it looks like to actually be a, a Christian. And what we've really been focusing on is what it looks like personally to be a Christian. And, and all of what we've preached and what we have taught on, what we've spoke about, what we've prayed about, is when it comes to 
personal commitment to Christ, we must what? Die. We must die. So chapter 6 picks up and it is a stark contrast. We're still talking about working in the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, saying no to flesh, being committed to Christ, and, and we see these verses change. So if you still have your Bible open, look back at chapter 5 with me just for a brief second at verse 25, verse 24 and 25 and 26. And then we'll carry back over because you remember our Bibles have chapters and verses, but this was just a letter. So this is a continuation of chapter 5. So back in verse 24 of chapter 5, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, even if anyone is called in any trespass, you who are spiritual, so we're still talking about the same people, amen? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you and yourself will not be tempted. It's a continuation, but it is a stark contrast. So if I could uh, briefly, in this time that we have, give us a synopsis or, or a summary of the last two chapters of Galatians, it would be, uh, it would be something like this, the works of the flesh, the gifts of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit and not giving room to the flesh. It's all summed up like this. As the Christian matures in Christ, we become more like Him and less like us. We begin to act like Jesus would act. We desire His ways. The Christian mirrors Jesus' very nature as we die to self and live for others. That's the contrast in our personal walk with Christ. The only thing that God has, has commanded us to do is to step back. It's to let Christ reign in your life. Let the very Spirit of God that indwells in every believer to work and manifest in that life and, and remove those things that are not like Him. And in doing so, we live the life that Christ would have us to live. We die to self and we live for others. So this isn't just a crucifying and a burying of oneself with no life to come. There is a new life. We've been buried with Him, right? The doctrine of baptism, we've been buried with Him and raised to what? New life. We walk a new walk. We talk a new talk. My desires are different. And we talked last week about the struggle that is the Christian life, right? My inward desire to be like God and also my nature, my sin nature that is still within me that I will struggle with until Jesus either lays me down to rest or comes to, to get me. I, I, I deal with Scott every single day. Every day is a day of repentance. Every day is a day of praying without ceasing. Every day is a dying of me and living for someone else. And first and foremost, it's a living for Christ. We are the hands and feet. The Word of God says that we are the very body of Christ in this world. He was here and He's coming again, but in between, the church is Christ. 
That's what we're supposed to be. So, so I have to die daily so that I can live in this body that I'm a part of. So what does that look like? First, it looks like putting on someone else's righteousness. That's Christ. But we're talking about practical application. That's what we're, we've been doing and we're finishing up uh, this series on Galatians with, with just that. So what does that look like practically for me daily is I'm committed to prayer. I'm committed to uh, devotion. I'm committed to fasting. I'm committed to all of the things that we talk about, right? That's me and myself. But whenever I put my pants on and I walk out that door to my job or my school or my church or my, the grocery store, wherever I'm going, I should be praying without ceasing. And what that looks like is, Lord, show me something. Give me someone that, that I can minister to. Use me today, Lord, in the way that you would, you would have me to, to be used. And what you find is it doesn't take very long when you just look with spiritual eyes, when you just walk in the Spirit, when you allow the fruit to be bountiful whenever you're just a tree sitting there. Somebody comes along and picks. I work for the water department. Most of my time, we're more like moles. We're under the ground more than we're above the ground. But it never ceases to amaze me, Brother Gene. I just want a biscuit in the mornings. Like that's, that's, I get up, I pray, I, I, I get ready, we go in, we have our little meetings, and we go to check our wells. And Brother Chad, I know that we're going to have to check two places, and then why not stop? Right? And all I want is my biscuit. And the best thing that they've ever done is they got a double bacon, egg, and cheese. And for this month and this month only, you get a free hash brown. You get a double bacon, egg, and cheese and a free hash brown. And you peel that apart and you put that hash brown on top of it and you put it all back together. And it, is, it, it has to be what the Israelites tasted with manna. It's, it's glorious. It's great. But time and time and time again, what happens is whenever I get out of that vehicle, I'm surrounded by opportunity. There's, there's people around me. And, and what you really realize is if you're looking through the eyes of Christ, thank God He lets me get the biscuit. But sometimes i got to talk to somebody first. Sometimes somebody approaches us and just has, has a need, has a bur- something's going on, something's happening. Sowing and reaping. What are you sowing out into this world? Because the Word of God says, and this is, this is a stark reminder for us, is what you sow, you're going to reap. You're going to get. So are you sowing goodness? Because the Word of God says the blessed hope is that we're going to receive goodness. Are you sowing kindness? Are you sowing gentle heartedness? Are you sowing a true love and compassion for your fellow man or your fellow woman? Because the Word of God says is in your time of need, you're going to reap. There'll be a harvest and you're going to reap it in. And this isn't to boast in myself, that's covered in in the text, but it's to say to, to God be the glory. Now the other side of that So we're talking about the vices of men and the fruit of the Spirit. We remember that. The works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. If you sow out the works of the flesh, our word this morning says that we reap corruption. That we reap what we sow. And God is a just God and He allows us to sow. But He also 
sends a harvest. He sends a harvest. So this morning, the warning for the church first is sow right seed. Sow good seed. Be about the Father's business and not about your business. And if you are dying daily and walking in the Spirit, you're going to sow good things. You're going to sow good things. And the warning for the church also is you're going to reap what you sow. The world, this isn't just a biblical thing. This isn't just a church a church thing. The, the law of sowing and reaping is all the way back in, in creation. This, this is a world thing. You can look out in the world and those who sow, reap. You can look within the church and us who sow, we reap. Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. We never reap what we do not sow. We don't ever sow and not reap. There's always the two. Okay? So what does that look like? As we mirror Christ, it looks like we die to self and we live for others. That's all Jesus did. When He was here, He said, I'm the Son of God. And I've lowered myself lower than the angels. I have literally, when you look at that word, I have condescended to your level. And I'm only here to do my Father's business. I have my own will. I have my own. I, we're three in one, and he gets into the Godhead. And, but I, I am only here to submit to the will of my Father and to do His will. And that's exactly what He does. And His will, the Father's will, was for Jesus, the man Christ, to die on a cross, to sacrifice His life, to give up His own ambitions and His own desires. And the Word of God says He had all of those, just as we do. And he gave it all up. And he says, I've laid my life down for my friends. And then he goes, now remember I called you friends. Because we weren't <laughs> yet. We are today. If you're saved by grace, you're a friend of God. Nothing in this world can do anything to you that takes that away. That you're a friend of God because God has called you friend. Don't squander that. Don't go sowing deceit because you're a friend of God. And you're so close of a friend, you're so close of, of a person that what you do reflects on God. Now, we don't change God. And if we reflect poorly, that doesn't make God less God. But it definitely causes issues in this world. We can look out and we can see I don't know if you talk to people or not about the things of the Lord, uh, but with my ministry and, and, and working in the community, it happens, right? Everybody knows I preach here. Everybody knows who I hang out with and what I do. And, and, <coughs> and inevitably, the, the Lord comes up, whether I'm buying a biscuit or lunch or digging in somebody's yard or whatever we're doing, the Lord comes up. And more often than not, and it breaks my heart, it really does grieve me, I hear this a lot. Some, some form or fashion of this. I used to go to church, or I was raised in church, but X, Y, and Z happened, and I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. You know, I really got hurt. I, I got told wrong. I got just X, Y, and Z. Fill in the blank. Church hurt is some of the worst hurt that we can ever do 
to our brothers and sisters, but there's people who have come through the doors of churches who were, were seeking God, and what they found was man. And they, they associated man with God, and now they don't want to have anything to do with God. My prayer is that God continues to seek and He continues to draw. And the Word of God says that He does. And that one day, they get put with somebody who is walking in the Spirit and not in the works of the flesh. God draws. Those who have done poorly, the Word of God says that they reap. They reap. We reap what we sow. This is important stuff. Chapter 5 is how a believer is, is to treat themselves in a, in a sense of the old sin nature, right? And, and we remember in the crucifying of the flesh, it's that we continue to crucify the flesh and that we think of ourselves as crucified, right? We continue to do so. And chapter 6 shows us how the believer puts this theology into practice. If I am a dead person, then and I'm alive, then I walk in the life that I've been given. I don't walk in the old life. I walk in the life that I've been given. This is theology in practice, or for those who like words, uh, uh, Brother Travis, it's orthodoxy and orthopraxy. It's how we practice what we know. It doesn't matter what we know. It matters how we practice it. I can know all things, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, talking about the chapter of love, he says, if I know all things and I know all languages and I know what angels say and all of this, none of it matters if I don't have active love, if I don't put into practice what I know. So to be a church is to be in practice with the Spirit. You can use all of this as little checks and balances in your own life. Am I truly a believer? Do I truly uh, believe what I, what I think, what I know? You, you know by how you practice. By how you practice. Besides gentleness being an expression of love and the fulfillment of the law of Christ, a gentle response to others is one way that we keep ourselves out of trouble. If you just... Act like Christ in all ways and all things. People are still going to get mad at you. You can't stop that. But they're not going to be mad at you. They're going to be mad at the God that's in you. See, see the difference? If I treat everybody as what? As I would like to be treated and truly do so seeking to love that person whether they're in the faith or not, if they get mad at me, they're mad at the practice. They're mad at the fact that I love them when they don't love me. They're, they're mad at me, but they're not mad to me. Nope, other way around. They're mad to me, they're not mad at me. They're angry with the Spirit. And, and that's going to happen. The Word of God tells us that. Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're going to. But at the same time, this is the great conflict of the world and it's the exact opposite of our inner conflict with this old nature is they're mad at you, but yet they want to be around you. And they don't know why. 
And, and they say things like, Brother Levi, that dude is a Bible thumper. But if you call him, he'll give you the shirt off his back. There's no reason why, why he should be nice, but I've never heard a bad word out of his mouth. Right? I'm not trying to boast you up. But, but it's things like that. It's, it's oxymorons is what it is. I don't like the person, but yet they'll, they like me back and I don't understand it. I don't understand. That's what, that's what the world says. It's this conflict. And what it does is it begins to remove the scales off of their eyes. Maybe there's something a little different about those people. Dad tells a story. Well, it's not as part of his testimony growing up. They would be running and doing and going and, and, and through the weekend and on Sundays. But when you pass certain churches, you turn your music down because you didn't want to draw any attention to yourself. Forget disturbing the church. You didn't want the church to know that you were outside because they were going to come get you. And his dad would tell him, you know, don't go over there to such and such because you're going to catch what they got. Don't, don't go messing around over there. And they had the wrong theology. They called cults and everything else. But what it was was something was different about those people. And they put their orthodoxy into practice. And they brought their doctrines into the streets. And every person that they met was a potential saint. And they were treated as such. They treated the world as if they were a part of the church in hopes to gain them into the church. And that's not saying you bring your garbage into the building. It's that God changed you and you're one of us. But before any of that happened in your own testimony, there was somebody in your life. There was someone who said, I'm praying for you, who said you could do better, who, who, who said all kind of things, but they, they just treated you differently. Treated you in a way that you wasn't expecting. Y'all, we got to get back to that. We've got to put our faith in the practice. James says, you show me works without faith, I'll show you faith without works. We're saved by faith through grace in Christ. Amen and amen. But if you're not working, you're not saved. That's what the Word says. If you're not about the business of the Father, you need to do business with the Father. If you're not about seeking and saving those who are lost, then you're not about Jesus. Because that's all He was here to do. And that's all He is here to do. His first advent, we're going into Christmas. His first coming, He said, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to save. And we're in this time in between coming and coming, and He is coming to judge. When He left, that's what He, he said, I, I, I haven't come to judge. I've come to save those who were lost. And when He comes back, He's coming to judge both faithful and unfaithful. What are you going to be judged by? What, what, are, what, what are some of the things that the church will be judged by? These are one of those things. What did you do? What did you practice? It's been said throughout the church fathers. I have so many good notes. I'll put it out one day. What did you do? The, the church father said that 
The church of God is a church of doers, not just sayers. Over and over and over and over again, some form or fashion, that is, that is the theme. What makes the church the church is that they do. It's that they do. They don't just say, they do. We say also, we want, we want to stop within these walls and have a really good message and, and expound upon the Word and break apart the Greek and do everything that we do, but we want to stop with the head knowledge and we don't want to do work in the heart. We don't do it personally, so then we don't turn around and do it publicly. It starts with us. Why did chapter 5 come before chapter 6? Because I cannot love others if I haven't done work in myself. Why does chapter 5 come before chapter 6? And why does the works of the flesh come before the fruit of the Spirit? Because one is more prevalent in the beginning. And I'm not a good witness. I remember that conflict. My Lord, I got saved. And I was like, man, this stuff is real. All this stuff that I've heard my whole life is real. And I would cry myself to sleep at night. I was doing that before. But now it's just because I was grieved in my soul for forever not doing what the Word had told me to do. And I went out and I told everybody. I got saved on a Friday and Monday morning. I was talking to those same friends and I'm like, you got to do, you got to do this. You got to be this. You got to do this. And you know what they told me? Man, we're just like you. Because see, I... I was just like them a couple days ago. The last time they seen me, I was, I was good time Scott. Yeah, a preacher's kid, but that's cool. He just prayed over our food before we did stupid stuff, right? But over time, a testimony began to, to build that Scott's different. He's not as fun as he once was. And that's the world, the word, the world. Right, but but I wasn't a very effective witness at first because I said you got to try Jesus, and they're like, "Man, you've lived your whole life that way, right?" Because we have had conversations before. I, I, why can't you go fishing with us? Well, it's Sunday. I got to go to church. Okay, right. It, we always had those conversations, but now I'm saying it's real, brother Josh, and they're like, "Prove it." But really, that's what. Prove it. And the only thing we can do as a believer to prove to a blind person, a blind and dead person in sin, is to live Christ's life in front of them. They have to see Jesus, because that's what saved me. He was revealed to me. And all it, all it takes is one time. For us that are hard-headed, it takes several. But it just takes one. They just need to see Him once. Once. I'm reminded of the, the old man in the temple. It's the eighth day and Joseph and Mary is taking Jesus to, to, to be circumcised and to do the rituals and to give the offerings and to cleanse Mary and, and do all what they do. And there's this old man who's been living his whole life to see the Messiah. And he's given a word of revelation by God that says, you will not die before you see the Messiah. And he looks at a baby being carried by a man and a woman, foreigners who aren't even from Jerusalem, right? They live up north. They live amongst the Gentiles. Do your history. And Nazareth was looked at the least 
right? One of his very own disciples says, Jesus of Nazareth, what good could come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus turns around and says, Nathaniel, that was his name. It's in the Bible. I'm not spilling any tea. He said, I seen you under the tree and I heard your prayer and you was praying to me. And Nathaniel, just like the old man in the temple said that you're him. Nathaniel says, my Lord and my God, right? Uh, he, he, we like to talk about Peter saying that he had this great revelation. Nathaniel is scolded by God and says, yep, you're him. Well, this old man sees a baby who can't speak yet because he come like us, who's being carried by two fallible humans, who's being submitted under the Jewish law, and he's supposed to be the Savior of all. And he looks at him and he goes, Lord, you can take me now. I've seen him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever see him, if you ever see him, say, I know him. I want you to see him. Job knew him. And at the end of Job's life, at the end of the book, he says, I've seen you. I know you and I've seen you. Listen, we're never truly saved if you haven't seen the Savior. You say, well, what? No, he's invisible. He's real. Yes, he's real. He's more real to me than the ones that I can see. Because when I can't see you, I still feel him here. He's still present with me. And when I need him the most, when I look around and it's like I'm a stranger in my own house, and I'm surrounded by my son and my wife and my family, and it's as if I'm by myself, he's still there. He's still there. Why? Because I've begun a process of sowing and reaping. But look, look with me. I want us to understand that this is still through faith. This isn't our works, and then we're going to close. Because I think we understand if we sow good things, we're going to reap good things. If we sow bad things, we're going to reap bad things. And that's going to affect both our personal life and the lives of the ones around us. Right? But I want us to understand that I can't manifest things in my life. I can't speak things into existence. I can't do good things and expect good things because it's not anything good from me. Right? All good gifts come down from who? Father of lights. It's in James. John says the same thing. Even if you're in the world, if anything good happens in your life, it was God. It was God. So he says, brethren, if you find somebody who is weak, who has failed, who has sinned both against you and against God, that you don't shun them, you don't cut them off, that you don't beat them over the head, that you say, hey, you've messed up, let me help you through it. Right? We carry the burdens of the weak while we're still enacting chapter 5 and I'm dying daily and I carry my own burden. So that when I can't carry my burden, somebody comes and carries my burden with me while they're carrying their own burden. So we'll start in chapter 7 because that's a good one. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Okay? But then chapter 8, or verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh, so that's me sowing into myself, 
wrong things. When I sow into my own flesh, from the flesh I reap corruption. But the one who sows... So, so look at the contrast here. There's a comma. So when I sow sinful things into my life, I reap sinfulness. I reap corruption. And it's me who's doing it. Right? We'll start over again. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Then there's a comma. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So, so sowing and reaping goes both ways. I sow and I reap, but there's a Spirit within me that is sowing into me and bringing a harvest. So, so don't be deceived, Christian. I think Paul has that right there. God is not mocked. If you, Christian, try to sow sinful things both into yourself and to others, you're going to reap a harvest that you do not want to eat. That's what it says. But also be encouraged, Christian, is as you fail in these areas, there's a spirit within you that is constantly sowing in good things. And there's a harvest and there's a reaping. And if we walk in the Spirit, we sow less deceit. If we walk in the Spirit, when temptations come, I'm able to battle. When we sow in the Spirit, when others try to inflict things on me, I'm able to discern and understand and with self-control say no and fall into grace and fall into Christ and move past those things. And where before in my spiritual immaturity, it would take me weeks, months, years to get over things. Now those things just don't seem to bother me. I deal and I move on. So in the Spirit. And our promise is that the Spirit will reap for us. Stand this morning. These altars are open. There's... there's it, this message is for, for all of us. None of us do this perfectly. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, I've been, I've been really good and, I, and I've been trying to pray and devote my life to God and, and be willing to be, to be used, and I say, praise God, you're in a season of sowing great good things. But be, be prepared. Be prepared. Because all it takes... Is one time, one day of not sowing in the goodness. Because, see, the law of sowing and reaping is constant. We're always sowing. You go to the parable of the sower, and the sower goes out to sow, and he just flings seed. He just throws it. I know in the parable, the seed is the Word, and that's very specific for evangelism. But in life in general, we, we, we throw seed. And whether we're throwing good or bad seed, it lands everywhere. And it grows. And I don't have to be the one to tell you that bad seed grows fast. Fast. And God is a God that likes to wait. And that's the thing about sowing and reaping, Brother Levi. If I sow good seed, I've got to wait. And I've got to let it grow. And I've got to let it mature because wheat isn't good when it busts through the ground. It's got to grow fruit. It's got to grow ahead. 
an apple tree, if you just eat apple seed, you're going to die from cyanide poisoning. Isn't that crazy? But if I let it grow in the ground and mature into a plant and let it produce apples, I can eat the flesh of it and it can nourish me. And we see that a lot in the Word of God. In my own weakness, God grows strength. And where my testimony was no good two days after I was saved, it began to produce very quickly. And people fell off, Brother Levi, that didn't want to have nothing to do with it, but some of them stuck around. And some of them stuck around for different reasons, to see me fail, to say, I told you so, but others were watching. And they waited for a harvest. And when they seen fruit meet a repentance, it caught their eye, and we were able to have a conversation. Same thing happened in my life. I knew those who were faking. It ain't hard to see. It's really not, because I was the best faker there was. If you're acting like me, you're probably not right. That was my, that was my opinion. I'm serious. But then there was those who would do things differently than I would. And I was drawn to that. Why? Because their field was a little better than mine. They had a few less weeds in it. They had a lot more food, a lot more fruit. And they sowed into me, both young and old. And now I sow into others. So chapter 5 and chapter 6, keep your heart right. And be living for Christ. Amen. Simple.